The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christian conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down right there on the right, and we're going live. You can also catch the live video portion of the radio show on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Also, if you're on Periscope or Twitch, check us out at Setting Brush Fires. Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B. Dean Sons of Liberty. Before it's news.com, we're right there on the front page this morning, and also dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. And if you'd like to call in anytime, please do so. 215 Top Talk, 215 867 8255. And by the way, if you're going to call in, stick to the topic. The topic today is fighting the next American Revolution by appealing to heaven. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to bring on. Dr. John Diamond, in just a moment, I just want to express something to you. Uh, a lot of times, and Bradley and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, a lot of times people don't understand uh, needs of a ministry. Now, we exposed a lot of false teachers yesterday and false prophets, okay? And there's a ton more that need to be exposed. But here's the thing. We give a very unpopular message. Uh, it's one that needs to be heard, but it is... A, an unpopular message, and Jesus said that's the way it would be. He just said that that's the way it's going to be. Uh, his message was unpopular. It's the same message that we give. It's a it's a calling men to repentance of sin, which is a violation of God's law, and uh, reestablishing that in their lives and in the lives of the culture around us. We have needs. I'm just letting you know we have those needs. And um, if you'd like to help support the ministry in any way, keeping us on the radio, keeping us on the internet. Uh, the travels that Bradley and his family does around the country to educate people on our history and on what Scripture says, then we need your help, okay? So you can go to sonslibertymedia.com. You can become a monthly supporter as a son or daughter of liberty. Uh, you can also make a one-time donation. Those buttons are right across the top of the page, and we would appreciate your support. We're not going to beg you for money. We're just letting you know we have a need, okay? All right, just want to get that out of the way. And... Um, Let's get to our topic today. This issue of fighting the next American Revolution by appealing to heaven. 
The reason I use that is because of the work that our guest has done. One of his books is called Fighting the Next American Revolution, and then also An Appeal to Heaven, A Cry for Divine Justice. And uh, Dr. John Diamond is a nationally recognized teacher, motivational and inspirational speaker, author, theologian, and Christian apologist. He's the founder and director of Peacemakers Outreach, a nonprofit faith-based organization dedicated to pursuing reconciliation through video, social media, and biblical education. He's passionate, high-energy, and dynamic speaker whose subjects make him relatable to both young and old, from the new believer to the most seasoned pastor. Uh, he's the creator of the website and YouTube channel titled Divine Worldview. You can uh, check out the, uh, the, the website at divineworldview.com. And um, he's creating a, a lot of new uh, videos there on the YouTube channel to help educate the public, specifically the church. And, uh, of course, he's written these, these couple of books here that I showed the audience and that we're uh, putting out here to the radio audience as well. And with that said, I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, Dr. John Diamond. And good morning, brother. Morning, brother. Hey, it's glad to finally be on your show. I know Bradley Dean's had me on four or five times, and I've been following you, so I'm I'm glad to be able to speak to your audience this morning. If they love you, they're going to love this message this morning. Well, I don't know if they love me, but um, you know, I love seeing them in the morning. We we've got some uh, faithful people who just pop in here every morning, and uh, we're so grateful for you guys on the radio as well as on the video platforms, uh, all your support and everything else. And I, I'm sure they're going to appreciate what you have to say. Uh, this morning. So let's get to it. You you, t- you told me that you, you wrote these two books. Let's start out with that first. You wrote these two books. One of them identifies the problem. And sadly, in our day, what happens is too many people identify the problem and don't provide a solution. And then you have a second book that's a follow-up to that. And you say, this is the solution to the problem that I pointed out in the first book. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, this has kind of been a, a bit of an evolution in my life. Um, back in 2003, I went down. Actually, I, I didn't become a Christian until I was 27 um, after spending eight years in the military and, uh, and immediately went into Bible college or seminary. And I, I went down to Alabama in 2003 to stand with Judge Moore during his Ten Commandments um, debate that was going down there when they were wanting to remove his remove his monument from that from the courthouse. Um, and, and I sat there and I just watched everything. I watched the way the media sp- spun everything. I talked to both sides. And what I did was I went home. I was between my ba- or my bachelor's and my master's, so I wasn't doing anything. I went home and, and I grabbed every founding document that I could find, the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Federalist Papers, Anti-Federalist Papers, Journal of the Constitutional Convention, and I read everything that our founding fathers created. And and what I found was just what you and Bradley Dean say, that America was founded on a Judeo-Christian um, principles, on a, on a foundation. But well, then I looked at America today and I'm and I'm like, how did we get from that point to this point? So what I did was I did a three year research project that I had no intentions of writing a book on. This was just for my own for my own understanding. So I wouldn't be duped by either side. Um, And then I come to find out I had all this material and I'm like, all right, Lord, what do I do with this? And he's like, write a book. So basically what that is, is really just, it, it turned out being my master's des- dissertation, um, killing two birds with one stone. But it really shows how America was taken over by left wing Marxist communists. And you're seeing that today. The book I wrote was about 20 years ago. 
And people just didn't get it. People didn't see it. They're like, no, we live in a free nation. Um, you know, we don't live under tyranny. And I put in the book, I said, a quote out of the book, it says, America is no longer America. America is a socialistic, atheistic, communistic police state wrapped in an American flag as a facade. And people were like, no, that's not right. I'm like, yeah, if you understand where we came from and where we're trending to, you'll understand we're on, we're on the verge of slavery. We're on the verge of government bondage and tyranny. Um, and I saw it coming just because it, it's what always happens throughout history in every nation. Um, now, now it's coming to fruition with all these lockdowns and all these government mandates. All the foundations that the wicked have laid in the years up till now are now starting to manifest themselves. So my book is becoming a little more relevant. Dr. Mike Spalding read it over the summer and said, man, this book, you were right on. Um, we need to get this back out. So he helped me recreate a new uh, uh, book cover. Uh, we're re-releasing it right now. If it, America, it's going to hit the fan here in America, and we're going to have to get back to the foundations of the founding fathers, and that's what this book instructs people on. Right, and I apologize, folks. I didn't have my mic cut off there, and I, I had a cough there. Um, I, I think that's great. I think that uh, anybody who is paying attention to what actually is going on in the society if they had been paying attention as to what was going on long before that within our government. And I, and here's where I think things have broken down, uh, John, and that is that people have lost the idea of self-government. And because they've lost the idea of self-government, they're looking to government to fix everything, to govern things. Now, they are to govern. We, we've put them in there to govern certain things. But they've lost the idea of self-government. We've talked about this time and again. If you don't govern yourself... You're going to submit yourself to to a tyrant. That's just the way it is. And so we're to govern ourselves, then we're to govern our families, we're to govern the church, and then there is to be that influence that impacts any kind of civil government that's set up by the church. And, boy, it's been broken down at all those levels. We've lost it in self-government, we've lost it in the families, we've lost it in the church. And we're there's no wonder that we began to lose it, you know, first part, actually, um, 170, 180 years ago, uh, with the advancement of the tyrant Lincoln uh, and his mark, the Marxist agenda that comes out of that, uh, now we're seeing the full, full fruit of that, um, you know, on our streets, in our education system, uh, in our families, and even in our churches. Sadly, uh, they're they're coming to that kind of thing. So you point these things out. What were some of the things you were pointing out when you, uh, I mean, we, we've kind of done that in a general way. What were some of the things you were pointing out in your book that were, that were coming on the scene that you saw back when you wrote the book uh, here in America? Well, just what you said, America was uh, really a self-governing society. I mean, all the states, all the states were like little countries that, um, you know, that they all ran the internal affairs of, the, of, of their own states that's really what the 10th amendment talks about is any 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 power not given to the federal government is reserved to the people well what has happened over the past over the past you know 250 years or so is the the federal government has slowly um taken one power at a time and it, it was so almost imperceivable at the time um that they basically you know they had maybe three percent power you know, create some post offices, create some money, and that's about it. The states will run their own affairs. Well, issue after issue over the last 250 years, they've taken more power on themselves. And James Madison even said that there are more instances in, in human history 
where, where people's freedoms have been overthrown by incremental means rather than just violent uh, usurpations or violent revolutions. And that's what happened here in America. We, we, we have incrementally, starting with the Mayberry, Marbury Act in 1803, going to the 14th Amendment, where you know the Constitution said Congress shall not. And that was the first amendments that said Congress shall. So now Congress started taking power that was not originally given to them. And you, I, walked the, I walked the reader right through court history to show every time those milestones or those guideposts had been moved. So we went from a government of a self-governing people to tyranny. And, and, and that's where we've always been trending to. I started off as a theologian before I ever read any type of historical documents. And if you go back to Israel, they created, God created the most perfect government that they could ever create. It was what we could call the Roman or the, the Israel Republic, because God was their king. He was their lawgiver. And all they had was judges. They had nobody ruling and reigning over them other than God. So they were free. They were equal. Well, then they've decided that they wanted a king. And God warned them, okay, that's fine. You can have a king, but here's what's going to happen. And he lists all these things. You're going to be taxed. And at the end of that, he said, you will become their slaves. So that's what happens with government. God knew that the, if you appoint a king, incrementally over the years, these, these government leaders will start to enslave you. He created a government where that was not possible, right? And then Israel abandoned that. So when America came along, George Washington didn't want to be the king. He, he was a good, righteous, noble man, but he understood that two, three, four, five, ten presidents down the line may end up enslaving us. And that's exactly what, what's happened in this country. Yep, that's exactly what's going on. And again, it, it's a funny thing because we see this idea that, uh, you know, a, a rewriting of history, if you ask me. And Southern Gent, who's in the uh, chat, he and I have talked about this plenty of times. We've been in a number of groups trying to point people as to what they claim is great. For instance, <clears throat> people continue to put up somebody like Abraham Lincoln as the greatest president there was. And it's like, did you guys actually read real history or did you just get the same indoctrination that I got in the public indoctrination center? Because when you look at it, you see this usurpation of the Constitution. Uh, I mean, the politicizing of slavery and all this other stuff that everybody thinks was the, uh, the, the issue of the War of Northern Aggression, all of these kinds of things. And then the dominoes start following at, or start falling after that. We see the rise of the, we talked uh, about the Federal Reserve, uh, the move away from constitutional money where the Congress was to set the standards and, and measures. Uh, which align with what the Bible says, that God uh, is just, and he calls um, unjust weights and measures an abomination. They started to move away from that, and that, to me, was really the real key. That's the underlying, that's the, that's the, that's the beast, if you will, that produces all this corruption, all of this uh, unconstitutional actions and everything else, is starting to get away from the principles that chain that, that government down. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I've said it over and over. If you read in the book of Judges, God gave his law and the people were to enforce it among themselves. They were to govern themselves with that law. And basically all they had was judges to go to, to sort of go between each other if they had a problem with one another. Otherwise, they knew what the law was. They were, they were to obey it and they were to enforce it. And I think we have something similar to that with our militia in the Constitution. They're the ones to enforce the law and that's the people. It's not the federal government. It's not federal agents or any of this other. So we see these problems coming on, and we've already got the question. Well, what's your plan 
<laughs> to sort this out. What's your plan to fix it? And I think the plan is very simple. I'm going to let you explain. But I think the plan is very simple. The problem is you, you talked about it coming in incrementally. So the mindset of those on the quote-unquote right, whatever that means, those on the right think, well, we gotta, since we came this way incrementally, we got to go back incrementally. And I don't see any of that in Scripture. In fact, I see a pretty radical change. You see somebody like King Josiah, young guy, young man, reads the law of God and says, what are we doing with all these high places? And he doesn't say, hey, guys, let's get some legislation going on and let's remove this stuff over. No, he's like, let's go wipe this out. What do you see as part of the solution? Because I think that's where we want to get to is, is what the solution is. Well, to me personally, and again, my, my master's is in theology, my doctorate's in Christian education. So me, for me, it's about education. And I'm not saying that's the only thing that we need to do, but um, that's where we need to start. Because That's what you said about the public indoctrination centers. Um, I've got a chapter in my book called Stolen History. Um, where several judges have basically said where they, they've acknowledged that that our Christian Judeo-Christian history has been removed um, from all of our all of our textbooks. That's why that's why my kids go to a, a, a Christian school here so they can be um, taught the, the right things about about history. But my people perish for, for lack of knowledge. That's what you always say. That's what Bradley Dean always says. I mean, that is the key. So the key is to get correct biblical knowledge. Me and you talked before the, the show started about propaganda. I've been telling the, the people on our side of the debate, we've been losing the propaganda war for, you know, probably a good 60 years. And, and I said, we need to start getting out our propaganda. Well, they don't like the word propaganda because the word to them, the word propaganda is what Hitler used during World War II. And it really is a controlling of the words or the narrative. The word propaganda simply means the dissemination of information. You can disseminate good information, truth, or you can disseminate lies, which is what Hitler did and why it got a bad name. But if you go to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary and you look up the word propagate, it simply means the dissemination of information. And then it says we need to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So by definition, all Paul's letters in the New Testament were propaganda, all right? Not evil, not not promoting errors or false, but rather exposing the errors, exposing the lies and telling people the truth. So to me, we have to start off with the educational um, process. We have to educate ourselves. We're not, we're not going to be able to get the public schools to overthrow this right away. So we either get them out of the public schools or we take on these side lessons that I'm teaching now just to get equal time that, that, that we can start to tear down some of these strongholds in people's minds. Well, I agree with that, and this is part of the thing that we deal with on Wednesday is specifically coming in. Lynn brings in all the information of where the beast has come, and it's it's basically usurped the authority of the Constitution, specifically the Tenth Amendment law. And they've said, oh, we can, we can speak to education, we can fund it, we can write legislation on it, despite there's no authority given in the Constitution for that, despite there are specific statutes that in the U.S. Code that says you can't do that. But they continue to do it. Uh, we just looked at one this past Wednesday. Nearly 1,200 pages for education. 1,200 pages. And it, it goes through. It's not just the Department of Education. It's going across a variety of these federal agencies. Now, what we've seen is, is somebody like President Trump 
you know, I get it. People are emotional about it. They're against this 1619 project. A lot of that stuff's coming into federal agencies. They're teaching their agents this. And he says, we're going to have the 1776 deal. And we're not even, we're not just going to apply it here in the executive branch. We're going to get this out to our kids because they need, and I just go, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not authorized to be doing that. You can do this in the executive branch. Yeah, but you can't, this is no, this is hands off. It, I get what you are saying you want to do, but the fact of the matter is it's unlawful. So the, the, who does the responsibility lie to? Does it not lie with the parents? It doesn't lie to government. It relies to parents, right? No, absolutely. The parents in the church are the first two, the first two lines um, long before you get to government. And I deal with what you're saying in, in the book. It really is an overthrowing of the 10th Amendment um, that did that because the 14th Amendment basically got the foot in the door the, the federal government's foot in the door as far as the states are concerned. Um, and, and, and there are there there were several court cases where they argued that the 14th Amendment now gives the federal government broad um, rights to inter- in, interfere in the in the states. And several court cases said, no, this was a slave owning amendment, period. That was it. Well, uh, I think it was 1925. There was a there was a case called uh, I think it was Twilling versus New Jersey where they basically said, no, the 14th Amendment does incorporate all the Bill of Rights. So everything that is wrong in America basically is the Supreme Court's fault. They've usurped authority. They've never been given. And what they do is they use the 14th Amendment as justification for that. So separation of church and state, abortion, gay marriage, um, legalization of homosexuality, every one of these court cases goes back to the 14th Amendment and says, we as the federal government have the right to rule on this because the 14th Amendment gave us the authority to do that. That is the lie that needs to be destroyed right now and right away. The only thing the 14th Amendment said, and and we could talk about that for an hour and a half itself, but even if you just hold to what it says, the 14th Amendment only basically gave the federal government um, the right to interfere in the states with regards to not freeing their slaves and not giving them rights and things like that. It did not incorporate the rest of the Bill of Rights. It didn't incorporate abortion or gay marriage or separation of church and state or religious liberty or religion. All of that stuff was supposed to stay at the state level. So before that court case in 1925, the Supreme Court met in a basement. They didn't have a, a workload to worry about because none of the cases ever made it to them. They stopped at the state Supreme Court level and the people decided, well, that's how our country has been overthrown is is because of that. There's a there's a great organization called the Tenth Amendment Center. If you ever follow them or get one of them on your show, well, yep. they, they really stress the importance of we the people having all the power and the federal government not having the power. Yeah, that's one of the things I'd, I'd love to get Michael Lofty on um, from the Tenth Amendment Center sometime, and uh, because I, I like a lot of the work that they that they produce out there. Um, okay, so and we've talked about the Tenth Amendment. We just got through with uh, several shows with Captain Carl uh, Koenig, and we talked about the militia. We talked about the Tenth Amendment. We talked about the Federal Reserve. We talked about all those kinds of things and how they're going together, uh, working against the people rather than uh, staying within the confines of the Constitution. And, uh, you know, we've had we get we always get this chat going in here. I don't know what it is that, that people want to make this all about Trump. It, it isn't about just about Trump. He's just carrying the he's just carrying it the same way the rest of the guys have been doing. it. I, I don't know why people can't see that. But it's really about the people allowing it to happen over and over again. 
the people want to point their finger at their at their favorite politician and say, well, this guy's a, and and it's true they are. But remember something: they're a reflection of us. They're a reflection of us. And if we're lawless, and you say, well, I, I'm not I'm not breaking the law. No, but if you allow it to be done, if you're if you're just sitting back and you're your keyboard warrior, and that's all you are. Or you're just frustrated, but you're not doing anything to bring about the resolve of the problem. Then you're 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 like the the Republicans in that measure. It's like one guy was saying earlier this week. I call it WWE, but he had a great thing. He said it's like the Harlem Globetrotters, and he says <clears throat> you got the Democrats who are the Harlem Globetrotters, and you've got the Republicans who are the Washington Generals. They're out there to make it look like they're a real opposition, but they're really not. And and they're they're set up to lose all the time. The best place for Republicans, in my opinion, is always in the place of not being in power because that's when they speak out and point out the problems the best. Because when you usually put them in power, they don't do what they're saying they're going to do, and they and they have and we give them the power to do it, but they won't do it. The other guys say we're not even going to look for incrementalism. We want the whole pie. We're not asking for a slice. We want the whole pie. And I don't understand why the people of God don't see it that way. They don't see they're the children of God. They don't see this world as the master's table. We're not there to beg scraps of bread. We're there to say, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You guys are devils. You're not even supposed to be at the table. Uh, we, we're, This is our father's table, and we want the whole thing back, and we're going to fight to get the whole thing back. And I think we've lost that kind of mentality, which is liberty. And that's why Christ, he set us free in order that we might glorify him throughout the earth, that we might fulfill the dominion mandate that was given at the first, that's never been rescinded, and that we might that everything that we do from the top to the bottom, whether it is in government or, or our individual selves, we're to do for the glory of God. People have lost that in America and I think the the reason the the thing that you're saying that we get back to that is first of all through an education process. That's why the gospel is important. That's why the law is important. That's why knowing your history is important. Once you get those things in place, then you can at least be confident when you go and you speak, when you go and you um, protest, when you go and you maybe serve in government or, or in a church or wherever that you can you can push the truth rather than just be Mr. Milktoast somewhere. You can actually have an effect some uh, in the places that you're at. No, that's absolutely right. And there's and there's two ways to to look at that. And I think we've kind of touched on both of them. Um you talk about individual responsibility. One of, I can't remember one of the one of the founders said that a man will either be controlled internally or externally. He'll either be controlled by the Bible or the, the bayonet. So when man throws off all morality and becomes lawless, then government automatically has to assume that power to kind of restrain the people. Well, sometimes they create the problem themselves just to justify their their overreach. Um, so that's where it has to start. It has to start internally. It has to start with us. You could throw every law off the book today and legalize everything, and you and I would be no more of a, a danger to our society than when everything was illegal because we wouldn't be raping and killing and, and murdering and we'd be loving our neighbors and serving our neighbors. We wouldn't be a threat. So we're controlled internally. We don't need a government. We don't need, you know, man's laws to tell us, like Bradley Dean says, if we get back to ten, God's 10 laws, we won't have to live under man's 10,000 laws. So that's, that's the first part. Um, and then the second part is, is really what I deal with in my appeal to heaven book is we have to understand that our rights come from God and that they're inalienable. That means man cannot take them away. So when the tyrants do overreach, and they always will, and they it's it's a constant battle for liberty, 
when they do that, you have to have a line drawn in the sand and say, this is the line and I will not cross it. And those lines are God's law and the Constitution. Those are the two lines. Any government official attempts to cross those lines on my behalf and, and encroach on something that is my sovereign right, I absolutely refuse to budge. So you take this whole lockdown, you know, mask mandate stuff. You know, when I, I live here in Pennsylvania where the governor shut down a bunch of things, and I said, if I had a business, I, w- I wouldn't have shut anything down. And they're like, well, they're going to find you and they're going to do all this. And I said, governors have no authority to find people. That's a legislative duty. See, we're constitutionally ignorant. We don't understand that there's three branches and each branch has a certain amount of power. He does not have the authority to issue a man mask mandate. He does not have the authority to shut down. It, if they would send the cops in and say, we're going to find you $10,000 a day, that's fine. That's fine. Let's go to court and you can show me what law I'm breaking because governors have no authority to pass laws. So if you don't have lines drawn in the sand, here's the Christian church's problem. Since I've been a Christian, we draw a line in the sand. We say, we're not going to cross this. We, we, we lose a court battle. We back up, we draw another line in the sand. We lose a court battle. We back up, we draw a line in the sand. Well, we're to the place right now that we're standing on the edge of a cliff. We backed up so far and gave into the enemy for so long and refused to stand against these tyrants. Now the Christian church is starting to wake up with this election and realize we're America's on the on the precipice of being destroyed because they wouldn't listen to people like me and you and Bradley Dean 20 years ago when we were 40 feet away from the cliff. Now we're four inches away from the cliff and now everybody's starting to panic. So that's where we need the appeal to heaven. That's where that next part of the, you know, here's the problem. Now let's get to the solution. Yeah, and I want to get to that in just a minute. We got a caller calling in, and uh, this is our good friend Joni. She's a contributor at SonsLibertyMedia.com under the pen name of Suzanne Hamner. Good morning, Joni. Good morning. I want to say hello to uh, good morning to Dr. Diamond. I have been uh, reading his works uh, since I heard about him, and I really like his work. He really hits home, especially when we're talking about um, the church and getting out of that corruption of the church because I, I, I see it in several places um, where they, even the Southern Baptist Convention when they said, you know, a few years ago, oh, well, we're going to, to allow homosexuals in the church. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You can't do that. If they are an active homosexual, you can't do that. That is against God's law. Then you get the others who say, well, you know, we have to abide by our 501c3. And it's like, since when? That's man's law. That's not God's law. And then you get those with this COVID thing. Well, you know, we had to close the church because of the virus. They said, no, you closed the church because the government told you to. God never closed the church. You did that. And then you get the ones who say, well, you know, we... We got around that by going outside, and maybe that was God's way getting the church outside. And it's like, well, God never said church had to be in the building in the first place. So, yeah, they don't. They don't know. There's so many. They don't know their history about the Scottish okay. Covenanters. That those guys, they met all the time out in the fields. So they don't even know their own history. Exactly. The, <laughs> the church is not the exactly. building; it's the so, people. Yeah. It's not a building. It never has been. The church is the body of the people. And and even Christ said, where two or more gathered, there I am also. So they don't understand that the church is not the building. But what I see 
and this is in the community I'm at, you have several churches that their whole thing is building, 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 buying land, building, building, building. And it's like, where are you spending your money on a building? That's not where you're supposed to be in a building. You are supposed to be in the community. You are supposed to be out there spreading the word and bringing people to the law. And here's another problem I see, and he's right about that. The church does not preach the law anymore. You cannot preach the grace of God without having the counsel of God because you've got to come to the law before you get to the salvation. You've got to understand you've broken a law. And and people just aren't getting it. They have become so close-minded to Christianity that it is a brick wall that I would say is probably 10 feet thick. It, it's very difficult to break it down. And... I, I struggle with that, you know, and I get so frustrated because people are just sitting back and doing nothing. Even as a medical professional, as I was a registered nurse, that still guided my principles. But that's even been abandoned by the medical community. You know, you should have God is a great, Jesus was a great physician. He healed. God heals. They are the first ones that you put there as the healing power. And then you, as a medical professional, you get your guidance from God. This is what I do, but first you have to recognize that God is that power and you work through him. He does the works through you. So, but that's not happening. No, and that, you, you, make, you make mention of that just quickly. This is why we have Kate on, and I just want to let people know, tomorrow the mm-hmm. YouTube channel will not be broadcasting. We'll be on all the other platforms because the, the backup is under the two-week penalty thing from YouTube, and we're trying to protect this account uh, on YouTube because of the information we give with Kate. they got people that target her specifically, and they report the things. There's really not anything we can do about it. So we're going to be broadcasting on all the other things. So 8 o'clock in the morning, just let people know. And Kate brings a lot to the table of what God has already given us when he says, I've given you these things, now choose mm-hmm. life. I've put before you death and life, choose life. And she talks about things that we put into our bodies, uh, think how to care for the body to keep it whole. And you mentioned the medical professionals. There are good medical professionals, yeah. and there are people who are out just, you know, they're pimping drugs and, and, uh, and wanting to solve bodies right. just for the sake of doing it rather than get back to what God says, how you care for your body in the first place. That's, that's right, and and I was I was very fortunate that I attended an all girls Christian <laughs> nursing school, so we got that from the very first day, you know, uh, about that. It right. was always focused on that, and you practiced from that perspective, and that was what you were taught. But they're not teaching that right. anymore. Right. That school is long gone. So, Joni, but but yes, you have to get back to that. But the brick wall is always what I bet my head up against to get a headache. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think we all problem is. Yeah, I think we all can agree with that. You got anything else you want to add, Joni? Um cuz I want to give Dr. Diamond no, the time it. here to to really hit on the thing we're talking about here with the appeal to heaven. Yeah, that's it. That okay. that was it. All right. Good to hear from you, Joni. Y'all we appreciate you very day. much. Yeah, you too. Uh, all right, take mm-hmm. care. There goes Joni and we appreciate your call very much, Joni, and what you do at Sons of Liberty Media as well. Uh, you guys have, if you haven't checked out Joni, she's been with me for 
quite a while uh, contributing and always love to get her stuff. She says, if I'm a little too Mount St. Hamner, that's what she calls herself, uh, then just uh, back that up. But I think she's always on target with the things she writes. We appreciate you very much, Joni. Uh, Dr. Diamond, one of the things that um, we're going here, you were going, you made mention of the appeal to heaven. Now, some people, if they listen to the Sons of Liberty radio, they already know what that comes from. Do you want to tell people a little bit of history as to where that particular phrase comes from and, and what was tied to it? Um, the, the, historically, at least as far as America is concerned, the appeal to heaven um, was America's first flag. George Washington flew the appeal to heaven flag over um, his six Navy cruisers. Um, and, and they understood, and, and one of the things that I do in my book is what the worst thing that the church suffers from is a misinterpretation of Romans 13. They think Romans 13 says that we need to submit to our government. It does not say that. It says, let everybody submit to God. So as a military veteran, first time I read Romans 13, I saw a chain of command, God, government, citizens, and that if the government's obeying God, that we should obey the government. But if the government rebels against God, we got to still obey God because it's the government that moved out from under God's authority. So you can start off with the foundation. I mean, the Hebrew midwives didn't obey the government when they were told to kill the babies. Um, Daniel didn't obey the, the king when he was told he couldn't pray, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't obey Nebuchadnezzar um, when they told them to worship the, a false idol, that the apostles didn't obey their government when they were told not to preach the name of Christ. So the the twisted interpretation of Romans 13, which a lot of these false prophets and teachers that we've been talking about, um, John MacArthur and, and Je- Dr. Jeffries and all these people that just say we got to bow down and, and obey the government. That's not what it says. Let every soul, including the president of the United States, Congress, the Supreme Court, let every soul be subject to the higher authority for there is no authority but of God. So you have to first understand the divine chain of command. Next, you have to understand that it is possible for your government leader to be a rebel against God. He's He can rebel against God. It's not like he can do what he wants and God's sitting in heaven giving him the thumbs up. Whenever a government leader enslaves you, the appeal to heaven, which is what uh, imprecatory prayer is, the appeal to heaven is a cry to God to free us from the tyrant. The, the children of Israel used it against Pharaoh. Look what happened there. The American founding fathers used the appeal to heaven, and they actually codified it right in the Declaration of Independence. They wrote the Declaration of Independence. They said, you're a tyrant. You're a war criminal. um, You've committed these 27 transgressions of both God's law and divine law and constitutional law, and now we're going above your head. We're appealing to the supreme judge of the universe is what they wrote right in the Declaration of Independence. So, and, then the, and then the slaves used it to free themselves from the tyranny of the slave owners because they looked back at the book of Exodus and said, wait a minute, if they were enslaved by tyrants and they cried out to God and God sent in a deliverer, can't we do the same thing? So this principle of a imprecatory prayer and, and appealing above the head of a ruler, I tell people this all the time. Why do we have Roe v. Wade? And they say, well, the Supreme Court ruled. And I said, why didn't we appeal it? And they look at me like I'm... I'm speaking in tongues. And I'm like, why didn't we appeal it? And they're like, where are we going to appeal it to? You appeal it to the Supreme Court of Heaven. There is still one level of authority that the Christian church has been absolutely ignoring, and it's because of a false interpretation of Romans 13. Well, it's interesting to me uh, that, you know, we, we've, come through an, we've come through an election still in the midst of that, and this whole thing's been propped up to say, well, one side 
is pro-life and the other side is for abortion. Let's take that example. When the reality is, in practice, both sides will fund abortion. I know people don't want to hear it, but the Trump administration has been funding it too. Okay, They have. They take some steps in some areas, but they've been funding it too. And these same people are the ones, if they really wanted to shut down the baby murder mills, wouldn't they be out there every week protesting that, uh, willing to stand? But too many uh, in some cities are scared they're going to get arrested because they're standing on the sidewalk that they paid for. But yet, suppose sheriffs that want to uphold the law will come and arrest them if they're standing on the sidewalk protesting the murder of the unborn Americans there. But many of them don't even want to go do that. They won't. They won't uh, pray and ask God to deal with it, even divinely, if they're unable to go. None of that happens. So I think this is this is key. Imprecatory prayers. We you had a, an article out about that on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Uh, what was it last week? And that's something to me. I've always said. You know, I've prayed it here on uh, on on the show because uh, some people said, well, you, do you pray for President Trump? Well, yeah, I did. And I said, in fact, let's just pray for him now. And part of that was God give him wisdom to do what the law commands. And if he won't do that, if he won't submit to you, then break the, break his teeth in his mouth. I mean, that was that was my prayer because that's what the psalmist used to pray. You know, it was, if the man is not going to to obey God, then you do the other. Now, there was something else you said there, and Captain Carl and I hit on that a minute ago, and that is, in America, the president is not the end all. Everybody wants to say, he has the most powerful office in America, or in the world. No, the most powerful position in America is the people. The Constitution was written, we the people, we have delegated authority to them. That means they answer to us. So, folks, when when this is the same thing when when you when you say, well, why aren't we getting prosecutions and stuff? Well, you can blame the DOJ about it. Okay, if he's delegated authority to the DOJ, which we don't even see in the Constitution, if he's delegated that to the DOJ, they're still to answer to him. The buck still stops with him, and the same thing happens with the people. If the if their government's doing what they're doing, we have the authority to call them out and say, wait a minute. You are not our leaders, you are our employees, and you are to do what we have set the boundaries for you to do and nothing else. But we don't do that. We complain about it, we fuss about it, and we think the answer is political, but we forget that the problem isn't political. It's a spiritual issue to where we have run roughshod over the law of God, we have not governed ourselves, and so therefore, why do we expect our representatives to govern themselves either? That's correct. And you and you you nailed something that is um, probably the biggest problem for the Christian church, because the Christian church primarily votes Republican because Republicans claim to be pro-life. Um, there's a major difference between being pro-life and an abolitionist. An abolitionist says this is murder and it needs to end now. Amen. Pro-life, pro-life says... Well, we, we, don't, we don't agree with it, but we're not going to outlaw it. Now, I ran for Congress back in 2006, uh, back in Columbus, Ohio, which is my original home against a guy named Steve Stivers, who's in there right now um, in, in that representative district. Um, and we both had to get up before the Republican National Committee or, or state committee. And there was probably 500 people there, got former governors, governors, senators. 
Um, and I was there on a, on a pro-faith, pro-Christian abolitionist platform, and he was basically a bank plant. He retired at 31 as a, um, as a vice president for Bank One. Bank One put him there just to, to make sure their interests were there. The very first words that came out of his mouth was, I'm not here to fight any moral cause. And I had a whole speech that I was going to give, and God changed that immediately, right in the back of the room. And I was scared to death to, to say what God told me to say. But I mean, uh, I prayed for the boldness and I went up and I told them, I said, I'm going to warn you here in the Republican Party. I'm like, you guys come to the Christian church every year, you know, at election time, telling us how pro-life you are, you know, and then you do absolutely nothing to reverse the course of this nation, either constitutionally or morally. Amen. I, and you do it every four years. I said, and it's going to get to the point that the Christian church is going to get tired of it. And your, your lives are going to be exposed because they're, they're going to create a third party. They're going to abandon, you know, abandon. And that boy, they came up to me afterwards and they were like, look, we agree with everything that you say, but we have to move to the middle to get votes. I'm like, you had control during uh, Gingrich's administration there with the contract for America. I said, you had control of the presidency, the Congress, and you couldn't even get a flag burning amendment passed. You think you're going to have the moral courage to, to end abortion or, or to reverse separation of church and state? You people are a bunch of liars that come and tell us what we want to hear every election. And you do nothing to advance the Judeo-Christian cause. And that needs to end. Well, needless to say, I got three votes. He got 123. But that's the condition of the Republican Party, especially in Ohio. Some of the, some of the Republican parties, maybe out in South Dakota or something, um, are, are a little more Judeo-Christian um, constitutionalists than, than, than these kind of fake people in Ohio. But um, that's where we're at. And we just need people like you and me just to rise up, start running for office, educate ourselves, and then have the courage to end, I ran for governor here um, recently in, in Pennsylvania, and my platform was abolitionist. If I'm governor, I'm going to go down and I'm going to send the police in, and we are going to close every abortion clinic today. And I'm not asking for the Supreme Court's permission, approval, or anything else, because Romans 13 gives me that permission. It says government exists, and 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 that the governor is given the sword to protect the innocent and to punish the guilty. That is your job. That is your moral mandate from God. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. So that's what we really need to get back to. Well, I agree. And we had um, uh, Dan Fisher on. I had him on previously, and he ran for governor in Oklahoma. You know, and, and, and Oklahoma is supposed to be this quote-unquote pro-life state, but it's like you say, the governor was at the time, uh, what was the lady's name? She was... She was supposed to be pro-life. They sent her a, a you know, an abolition uh, document, and, and we had one of the former senators, I mean, in tears because he said, I thought I was doing the right thing with this heartbeat bill, but he says, even though he passed that, he said, all of these babies were being slaughtered in my state, and he says, I had to repent to say, we. this is the thing I'm talking about. We're not asking for crumbs here. We're asking for the whole pie. It's our daddy's pie, and, and those babies are his creation. And, and and I look, I get it. Some people are just nasty. They can be nasty about it. But here's the thing. If you're going to stand up for life, I mean, I, people need to understand what's going on. Uh, my son and I were talking last night. It was his birthday. We were talking. And he said, yeah, these people come up and they go the pro-choice. And I said, about what? Because that's what's never answered. Pro-choice to do what? To murder your baby, to behead it, to dismember it, 
to flush it down a toilet? That's what they mean by pro-choice. Oh, well, it's my body. Well, whose body got flushed down the toilet? Whose body got pulled apart? Whose body got beheaded? It wasn't your body. It was somebody else's. And so we were putting those kinds of things in perspective. And this is, you're exactly right. This, this former state senator from Oklahoma, what he said was, what I found out is in the pro-life movement, we're there to regulate abortion. Mm-hmm. We're not there to abolish it. We're there to regulate it. And I got to tell you, I think there are some pro-life, quote unquote, pro-life movements that want to abolish abortion. They're trying every means they can to try to do that. But I think there's some pro-life movement uh, people, uh, organizations, just like I think there's some Second Amendment organizations, they don't want to solve the problem. They don't want to shut it down because if they did, then they wouldn't be raking in the money that they're raking in. So we have, we've got a problem of corruption even within some of those institutions as well. And the issue is, the, the, I think the solution is very simple. And I think you're, you're putting your finger on it to say it's simple too. It's, let's just obey what the law is. <laughs> this is not complicated. It's only become complicated because of our sin, the fact that we've gotten away from the law, both the law of God and of the Constitution. If we would go to, to those things, I think if we were really radical in going back to the law, we would see changes that people would be amazed at in six months. And I'm talking about for the better, not for the, for the worse, for the better. We would see immediately uh, changes within six months that people could tangibly put their hands on and say, this is the direct result of us going back, of repenting, if you will, as a nation and going back to the law. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. And you nailed it when you talk about a lot of these organizations have been subverted. Um, when, when, I, when I stood up and gave my speech before the Republican committee back in 2006, and he got up and said, you know, I'm here to champion no moral causes. And I got up and said, I am cha- championing moral causes. And one of those is, is the abolition of abortion. Um, and they all kind of came back and agreed with me and, and played the politician. But the sad thing is, is the Christian Coalition of Ohio uh, not only endorse the guy that said he's not going to end abortion, but ever since then, and this is 14 years now, every year when their little Christian coalition voter guide comes out, it has him listed as pro-life according to uh, compared to the pro-choice guy on the other side when they know. So a lot of these organizations are basically just surrogates for the Republican Party. They don't want to end abortion because they know that that's what gets the church out to vote. Just like the Democratic Party, you could give the Democratic Party a wand and tell them they could end racism and they would not end it because that race baiting and that stirring up blacks against, you know, is what gets them fired up and gets them out to vote. Jesse James or Jesse Jackson and Al Sharp and you gave them a magic wand and said you could end the racism today, they would never wave it because that's where they get their power. That's where they get their influence. That's where they give their money. And it's the same on the right. These pro- We need to change from a pro-life platform to an abolitionist platform. And that would make it very clear Amen. that if this governor that we're electing, this say Republican, because it's the Democrats wouldn't do it, this Republican, are you, because when I ran here in Pennsylvania, there was three of us. There was a pro-life, which is Wolf, the guy we got in now, pro, uh, pro-murder pro governor. You had the Republican who, who was asked, are you, are you an abolitionist? He says, everybody knows I'm pro-life. And the guy said, would you as governor end abortion in the state of Pennsylvania? And he said, well, we don't need to go that far. Okay, that's as far as I was willing to go. So it shows the problem politically that we have in this nation. We need to clarify. This is what 
when we get back to the Civil War again, there was there was anti-slavery groups, but they really didn't want to end them. It wasn't until the abolitionists raised up to said this is a violation of God's moral law and it's going to end and it's going to end now. That's only when when America began to change. Now, of course, it took a civil war and a whole lot of bad <laughs> stuff came out of that. But the ending of slavery was the good thing because it was a violation of God's law about enslaving people. Well, you know, I've got a I've got a little bit of different perspective on that because I think what Lincoln did was he made everybody a slave. He didn't he didn't free any slaves. You don't free slaves by writing a piece of paper, but he made everybody a slave. And I think this is part of what you're getting to with the fourth Fourteenth Amendment and things like that as well. Uh, we've got about three minutes here. I really want to hit on that that issue of imprecatory prayers, that this appeal to heaven, this appeal to God to fight on behalf of His people, and. In, in two and a half, in about two minutes, can you break that down to help people understand what's the prerequisite for that for the people? And then what are these imprecatory prayers that we speak about? Um, one of the things I just re- recommend, because we're not going to have time to delve into this, because this, this is a pretty deep subject. When I talk about pre- imprecatory prayer, um, people either absolutely love this or they hate it. And I'm talking about Christians. And, and the reason is, is because they don't understand a whole lot of things. Now, I'd have to unpack a whole lot of stuff to get into it. But if you look up the word imprecatory um, in Webster 28, it says a prayer for evil to befall somebody. I think that's a bad interpretation. An imprecatory prayer is not a prayer for evil to fall upon a person. An imprecatory prayer is a prayer that God would come and stop the wicked from attacking the righteous or the innocent. That's really what it is. There are two groups of people on this earth, the children of God and the children of the devil. The children of the devil always want to kill the innocent, whether it's abortion, whether it's persecuting Christianity. And there is absolutely nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, there's like 25 imprecatory prayers in the Psalms. There is nothing wrong with appealing to heaven and saying, God, deliver us from these wicked and unjust men. These people are murdering babies. These people are trying to close churches. These people are trying to murder Christians. There are evil people in this world. And if you don't understand that there are evil people in the world, you're never going to understand the need for an imprecatory prayer. So uh, I'm having to break this down. I'm going to do an entire, probably maybe a one hour video on it, or even I could come back on your show, but there's a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to imprecatory prayer. Oh, I would never pray an imprecatory prayer. Well, then you're saying that all scripture is not profitable. Right. You're saying that all, all scripture has not been. God gave those prayers for a reason. You just need to line your mindset up with God and figure out. First time I ever read them in Bible college, I was like, whoa, these these seem a little extreme. But now that I have a divine <laughs> worldview, I have a divine perspective. Yep. Now I understand why God says to pray those. Amen. We're not supposed to avenge our ourselves, but it's okay to call God in to avenge him. That's Absolutely. what Esther and Mordecai did. Absolutely. Dr. John, we got about 30 seconds and uh, we'll have you back on. Let's, let's take up that subject. We'll do that again. We'll set up a time for that. Tell people where they can find out about you and your YouTube stuff. Uh, 20 seconds. Uh, best thing, go to divineworldview.com, sign up for my email alerts there, click on the YouTube channel and go over there. That's where most of the material is going to be. Um, and then if you could just subscribe, please, to the channel. The more subscribers I get, the more I can kind of help uh, do my ministry, too, and hopefully make a little bit of money to support my family here. But it's really about education. So Divine Worldview, sign up for email, click on the YouTube um, and subscribe to our channel, and we'll cover a lot of this stuff there. All right. Dr. John Diamond, we appreciate your time. Guys, have a great day. Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., don't go to YouTube. Go to Facebook, DLive, any of those. Kate Shimrani, see ya.